again. Good to see you today. My name is Jason. I am the uh, pastor here and just pumped we get to be together. We are in the ninth part, come on, ninth part of a series called The Goat, where we're just reading through the book of John. Even though this is the ninth week, we are on John 16. What we did is uh, we decided to take 12 weeks leading up to Easter to read through the book of John, to read about Jesus, and, uh, and so that's where we are today in John chapter 16. Uh, you have a Bible in front of you, underneath the seat in front of you. I'd love for you to grab that Bible, and uh, we're going to be hanging out on page 897 if you're using that Bible, or whatever you want to use is fine. Also, you got a sermon guide. I'd love for you to grab that and follow along, uh, along today. While you're getting all that, I want to tell you about two experiences that I had recently. Uh, a lot of you guys know that uh, I spent eight days in Russia a couple of weeks ago. I had a chance to go. It was a great opportunity to go and to teach and to preach trained some church leaders and pastors over there, and uh, we were there, and we had these two college-age sisters. They were daughters of one of the leaders over there, and so they were assigned to be kind of like our, uh, our tour guides, if you will, and so they showed us around the city and, and spent some time with us. They spoke pretty good English, so they kind of interpreted for us and, and things like that, but as we spent these days together in Moscow, they kept asking questions, just lots and lots of questions uh, about America. What, what is it like to live in the United States of America? What, you know, what, what's it like where you live, uh, you know, in Kentucky? Where's Kentucky? They always ask, like, no matter what country I'm in, they always ask, how close to Miami? I'm like, no, not even close, all right, to Miami. But Russians do know us for KFC, by the way. They love KFC, just a heads up on that. Um, and so just asking all these questions, they wanted to know about government. They wanted to know about health care. They wanted to know just about famous people and, and things like that. And so they, they were familiar with, you know, pop culture and movies and music, but they wanted to know about the way of life. And so I would try to answer, and, you know, no matter what I tried to, to no matter how many times or how, how many different ways I tried to explain certain things, you could tell that they, their mind was spinning and they were trying to connect the dots, but they could not understand what it was like to live in the United States of America because all they had ever known was to live in Russia, one time, we were walking down the street one time, and um, I looked across the way, and I saw this sign, and it was in Russian, so I couldn't read it, but I recognized the logo, and they were asking me questions about America, and I said to them, have you ever had a Krispy Kreme donut? And they said, no. And I said, well, it doesn't get any more American than that. So there was a Krispy Kreme donut store in Moscow, and so we went, and we bought them some donuts, and they loved it, and they were like, oh, how often do you eat these in America? I said, well... You know, I mean, everybody's answer is different, but uh, anyway, so, so that was kind of a cool experience, just trying to explain to them, even though they were, you know, not able to maybe put it all together because of their experiences. But then we were coming back, and uh, the last day of our trip, Sadie and I, my oldest daughter, was with me, and she had never been to New York City, and so we stayed a day in New York, and uh, I said, Sadie, what, what do you want to do? And so she picked a couple things, and one of the things that she wanted to do was to go to the 9-11 memorial. She was familiar with 9-11 a little bit, but, you know, was, had some questions about it and wanted to see it. So we bought tickets. If you've never been, you need to go. It's amazing. And we're walking through the memorial, and she's just asking all kinds of questions. You know, what, why, what is a terrorist? Why the Twin Towers? Why would somebody do this? And how, you know, I was trying to explain to her how the world changed because most of us in the room lived 
pre-9-11 and we're living post-9-11. And so we understand how the world changed. But no matter how many times I tried to explain to her how the world had changed, she could not understand it because all she knows is living in a post-9-11 world. So we had been in a lot of airports on the trip. I said, you know how you, you, know, you have to take off your shoes at the security? And I, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, well, you didn't used to have to do that. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it was not that hard. And, and uh, government and, and, and news and all these different changes. But no matter how I tried to explain it, she, she could not understand life before 9-11 because she had never known it. I'll tell you about those two stories because in John 16 today, Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples, and he's trying to explain a way of life. He's trying to explain what life will be like when he's gone because he's about to go. We're 16 chapters into this 21-chapter book, and in just a few hours, Jesus is going to be arrested, and he's going to be crucified, and so he's trying to explain to them what life will be like when he's gone. But no matter how many times he tries to explain it, and no matter how many different ways Jesus tries to explain it to the disciples, they cannot wrap their minds around it. And so Jesus tries all kinds of different ways to explain what this life is going to be like. And so what I want to do for just a few moments is I want to recap, if you will, What we have talked about these last nine weeks, and the reason I want to do this is because I think it sets up perfectly uh, this conversation that Jesus and the disciples had and why the disciples were having so much trouble understanding uh, what, what Jesus was saying, okay? John wrote the book of John so that we would believe, but not just believe intellectually. John wants us to believe supernaturally. John wants us to believe that Jesus was not just a man, but that Jesus was God. Jesus is God, and that he left heaven. He put aside his godness to leave heaven, to come and to be human, and that's what he did. He came, and he became a human. He still had God qualities, but he lived the life that we live with one major important exception, that he did not sin. Hebrews, we read it last week, says that he never gave in to his weaknesses. We give in to our weaknesses all the time, but Jesus never did it. And he had to be sinless in order to save us, and so that's what he did. He came from heaven. He came to the earth. He lived a sinless life, completely innocent, and at 33 years old, he was arrested, and he was tried, and he was crucified, and he died on the cross. This is how 2 Corinthians 5 says it. I want to read this to you. It's on your sermon guide. But it says it like this. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. How? Through Christ. That Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus came from heaven to be human, to live a sinless life, to go to the cross so that we could be made made right with God. How? Through Jesus Christ. And so you might be wondering, and it's a valid question, if that's true, what I just said, why wouldn't everybody just believe it? I mean, if believing in Jesus gets you into heaven, keeps you from hell, and, and gives you a way to be made right with God, to get to God, why wouldn't everybody just say, yeah, fine, whatever, I believe it? Well, that's where the supernatural part comes in. 
Because the Bible teaches us that you cannot believe on your own, that it is a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit that would cause your heart to believe, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and to believe that he did what I just said that he did. And when we believe that, it changes every part of who we are. We believe that we're saved because Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and died for our sins. But it gets better. It doesn't stop there. That he didn't just come and die, but that he was raised from the dead. Resurrection, spoiler alert, we're celebrating that in three weeks at Easter weekend. And he went back up to heaven, and now the Bible says that he's on our side, that he is with God. He is at the right hand of God is the way the Bible describes it, and that he is fighting on our behalf. He's on our side. The Bible would say he's interceding on our behalf. Now, maybe everything that I just described to you sounds like the most ridiculous story you have ever heard. Yeah, okay. So God left heaven, came to earth, didn't sin. I don't know how anybody would do that, but he didn't sin, and, and then he died, but then he rose from the dead, and now he's back with God, and he helps us like Come on, that's ridiculous. Surely no intelligent person would believe that. If you are struggling to believe and to accept what I just described to you, I, I, I get it. I get it. 1 Corinthians says it like this. I, I, I want to read this verse to you. In chapter 1, it says, the message of the cross, what I just explained to you, the message of the cross, that Jesus came, he died on the cross so we could be made right with God, that message is foolish, is what 1 Corinthians says. Foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we, believers, we are being saved. Who are being saved? No, it is the very power of God. This is the supernatural act of believing. That when we hear about Jesus, when someone tells us about Jesus, when we read about Jesus, when a preacher preaches about Jesus, that supernaturally one of two things happen. Either our hearts become opened and we become alive, and we say, wow, I never knew. I never knew that I could believe in Jesus. I never knew that I could be made right with God. I never knew that I could be forgiven of my sins. I believe that. I receive that. That is, that is what those of us who believe, that's what we experience. And we know, like, it's the only power we have. It's the only hope we have. But something else also possibly happens when you hear about Jesus or a preacher preaches about Jesus. Some people close off, their, their hearts are hardened, and they believe that it is foolish. Maybe that's you today, and you're, you're, you're here today. That's ridiculous. That's foolish. Your, your heart has not been opened. You haven't had that light bulb moment for, for your soul, if, if you will. Well, John wrote the book of John so that those stories, those teachings and miracles of Jesus would supernaturally open our hearts and that we would believe that Jesus is the only way to have real life. Now, I'm able to explain all of that to you because I've had 2,000 plus years. I haven't had them, but you know what I mean? Like, I, we've got 2,000 plus years, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, historians, theologians. We have been able, knowing the end of the story, to connect all of the dots to say, oh, Jesus came, he died, he went back. Like, it makes sense to us because we are able to put all the pieces together. But the reason that I explained all of that to you is because for the disciples, they have no concept of what I just described to you. They have no idea that Jesus came to die. Why would Jesus come to die? 
it's going great. Like, he's, he's healing people. Demons are being cast out. He's walking on water. He's blowing up. People are loving him. Like, why would Jesus come to die? There's no concept. They don't have the other pieces of the puzzle like we have. So Jesus shows up and says, hey, guys, just a heads up. I'm going away. And, 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 and it's going to be crazy for you, but I'm going away. And they're like, why would you go away? I never thought you were going to go away. I thought we were going to set up something like a kingdom here, and it was going to be amazing. Why would you go away? But like those two Russian sisters and like Sadie walking through the 9-11 memorial, Jesus is saying, let me explain to you what life will be like when I'm gone. And no matter how many times he tries to explain it, they've never tasted a Krispy Kreme. No matter how many ways he tries to explain it, they, they don't know what life was like before 9-11 or in the United States of America. It's something that they cannot comprehend. The disciples were the only people to ever live in history, both B.C. and A.D. They were the only people who ever experienced in one lifetime what life was like before Jesus died on the cross and what, ha- what life was like after Jesus died on the cross. Day after day, miraculous things are happening, so you can understand why they hate the idea of Jesus leaving them, but what they didn't know and what they couldn't know was that Jesus' death, resurrection, and exit was the best thing that could ever happen for them and for all of humanity. Now, we have never walked around with Jesus in the flesh. We've never had the opportunity to walk around with Jesus in the flesh, but it does bring an interesting question up. That if you had to choose between the way it is now, how you serve God now, how you try to connect with an invisible God, how you pray, how you worship, you could have it how it is now, or you and 11 of your friends could have Jesus in the flesh, like at the movies with you, at the restaurant, at the coffee shop, in your living room, at Iroquois Park. He could watch the game with you, like Jesus in the flesh on your couch, you and 11 of your friends If you could have either of those options, I wonder which one you would choose. Now, most of us in the room would probably choose Jesus in the flesh. Are you kidding me? That'd be amazing. Like, Jesus in the, I never have to go to the grocery store. Like, it's just me and Jesus with 11 of my friends. I'll take Jesus. But if Jesus uh, heard you say that answer, he'd be like, eh, nope, wrong answer. That's a bad idea. And so he's going to explain to the disciples, and because most of us would choose Jesus in the flesh, he's going to explain to us why it's better that he's not here, why it's better that he's leaving the disciples and going to heaven, and how when life feels crazy and when they're unsure what God is up to and when they don't know if they can believe anymore because their whole world has been turned upside down, Jesus says, let me tell you what I'm going to give you and do for you so that you can keep believing. And so he tells us those same things today. John 16, grab your Bible. Let's read this together. John chapter 16. And we're going to start with verse 5 and read a little bit. And I'm going to give you three, the three things that he tells the disciples. We'd say it like this, three, three gifts that, that Jesus gave to believers. Or we could also say three reasons why it's a, a good thing that Jesus went back to heaven. We could say it that way too. And how we can keep believing when we're struggling to believe. So let's start with verse 5. 
John 16, just a heads up, Jesus is going to channel like his inner Shakespeare today, so it's a little poetic but somewhat confusing, all right? So we're just going to kind of go with it, all right? Here we go. Verse 5, but now, Jesus talking, I am going away to the one who sent me. And now one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Verse 12, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard from me. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. We see right here in this first thing that that we read, this first section that we read, that the gift that Jesus gives us is the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He, he, he said right there in verse seven, he said, it's better for you that I go away, which is a first statement, it's kind of crazy, because if I don't, I will not be able to send the advocate. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. If I don't go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit to you. And, and Jesus says, Having the Holy Spirit is better than having me. Say, what? Having the Holy Spirit is better than having me is what Jesus said. Now, if I were to say to you today, hey, you can either have Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't work like that, so don't take this example too far. But let's just say that I said you can either have Jesus or the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us in the room would be like, give me Jesus, because my grandmother had the Holy Spirit, but she had some other things, and I'm not sure I want anything to do with that. Or we don't know anything about it. Or we, the little bit we do know, we're not interested in it. We say, no, Jesus, I like Jesus. Not sure about the Holy Spirit, I'll take Jesus. But Jesus says, having the Holy Spirit is better than having me. So I know you don't want me to go, but I'm going to go. And this is good news because the Holy Spirit will come. And that's better. That's better. And so now we, we, we know about God. We, we know about Jesus. But now Jesus introduces us to the Holy Spirit. And this gives us the Trinity, This gives us the Trinity. Maybe you're familiar with that phrase, that God created us, Jesus saved us, and the Holy Spirit helps us, that God created us, master orchestrator of it all. God created us, Jesus saved us, and the Holy Spirit helps us. And so Jesus says, I'm going away, literally in a few hours, I'm going to be arrested, this thing's going to go crazy, and I'm going away and I know it's going to be hard for you to keep believing, and I know it's going to be hard for you to, to, to keep the faith, but I'm going to send you something to help you, and what I'm going to send you is the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind that Jesus could only be in one place at one time, which is great if you're with him. So Jesus is here with you and 11 of your friends, but if anybody has a problem and needs to get to Jesus, they got to come to where you are. So imagine Jesus is in China, and you got a problem you got to go all the way to China to get to Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's just going to be in the world. Like, he's just in the world, but he's not just in the world. He's in the believer. So the Holy Spirit, the helper, 
is with you, and so I'm going away, and I know that bums you out, but don't be bummed out because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and this is a gift to you to help you believe. So if you're here today and you, you are believe in Jesus, you, you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and he is with you, and he guides you into truth and helps you to live your life. Let's keep reading. Let's look at number two. Skip over to um, verse uh, 19. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about what he was saying because they had no concept of what was going on. And he said, uh, verse 20, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. You've never been able to do this before, he says. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy Verse 25, I have spoken of these things, uh, I've spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and I will tell you plainly about all, uh, all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. A lot of words right there mixed together. But if you, if you break it down, pretty much what it means is the second thing that Jesus gave us by leaving is he gave us access to God. So he gives us the Holy Spirit to help, help us, but then the second thing that he gives us by leaving is he gave us access to God. He says, then you'll ask in my name, and I don't even have to go to the Father on your behalf because, because the Father loves you. He loves you. So God's not up in heaven saying, like, I don't know, jury's still out on Jason. And Jesus is like, no, you'd really like him. Like, he's a good guy. They don't have to do that because the Father loves me. The Father loves you. And Jesus came and died. And when he did that and resurrected, he gave me a way to have access to a relationship with God, straight to God. Don't have to go through a saint. Don't have to go through a priest. Don't have to believe uh, or, or, or do anything extra. I just get to go to God. The only way I get to do that is because Jesus Christ came, died, and left. And no one could do that before Jesus. Nobody. Like, he would show up in the Old Testament occasionally, you know, and he would speak to somebody, hey, Noah, build a boat. Hey, Moses, go to Pharaoh, right? He used David. He would speak to the prophets, but it was all in individual instances, God in the Old Testament showed himself through signs and clouds in the sky and fire in the sky and fingers on a wall and, and all that stuff. But no one could have a relationship with God. You had to go to the temple. You had to bring an animal. You had to sacrifice it. All of these hoops that you had to jump through. But when Jesus came, he tore all of that away and gave us a way to go straight to God. That means, good news, that today you can go straight to God. You can talk to God right now. You can talk to God today in your car. You can ask for forgiveness for God 
from God right now. Now, what's crazy is we would rather have it like it was in the Old Testament. Man, if God could just make the clouds in the sky, like spell out the word, you know? If God could just show up in my room in the middle of the night, like just visit me and talk to me. But if you had a chance to get Noah and Moses and David and Elijah and Elisha up here and you said, hey, man, all these people want to know God like you know God, they'd be like, are y'all crazy? We want to know God like you know God. Because we could never have a relationship with him. We never had access to God. We never got to talk to God whenever we wanted. We never could just go to God for forgiveness whenever we wanted. Think about that. The people in the Old Testament are jealous of the access that we have to God. So Jesus says, if I stayed here, everyone would have to come to me, right? And if you didn't get to me, you're out of luck. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to return to heaven. And when I do, every single person who wants to have a relationship with God can have one. All you have to do is believe in me. So maybe you're here and you're struggling with this idea. Wait a second. I was never told I could have access to God. What gives me the right to have access to God? Jesus. How how do you think you can just go talk to God? Jesus. That's what he said. He said, just drop my name. Just drop my name. Hey, yeah, Jesus said I could come in here. Okay. If Jesus sent you, then you're good, right? Just drop my name, and you can know God. Does that make sense to everybody? So the disciples are like, why would you leave? This is amazing. And Jesus is like, no, no, this ain't even the best part. I'm going to go, and you're going to be spinning for a while. But I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. And I'm giving you access to God. But let me show you one more, just two quick verses. Verse 33, I've told you all of this so that you may have what? What's that word? Peace. I'm telling you all of this because I know you're going to need some peace. It's going to get crazy. Life is crazy. But I'm telling you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The last reason that Jesus is telling the disciples it's good that he go, the last gift that he gives us to help us keep believing, number three is peace for trouble. Peace for trouble. He said here on this earth, bad news, you're gonna have tons of trials and sorrows, but good news, I have overcome the world. But this is an amazing piece of information that Jesus gives us. In other words, what he's saying to his disciples is the next four days are going to be the craziest days of your life, but then I'm going to raise from the dead. You don't understand that right now, but just trust me. And when that happens, that is going to be all the proof that you need that I have overcome the world. I defy the laws of gravity. I defy all the dimensions. I'm stronger than death. I don't have a, I don't have a lifespan. I'm bigger than all of this. And so whatever it is that you're facing, your belief and your hope is in someone who has already overcome all of this. Now, that, that's what separates, that's one of the things that separates Christianity from every other religion, is that every other religion believes in someone who was pretty awesome while they were alive, but they're dead. They didn't overcome the world. Maybe they had insight into the world. Maybe, maybe they were able to transcend 
some type of element of the world, but they never overcame the world. But Jesus said, your hope is not in somebody who said some smart things. Your hope is in someone who is not bound by this world. I've overcome this world. That's where your peace is. I want you to imagine for a second that you lived in a world. We don't, but I want you to imagine for a second that you lived in a world that every time you got sick, it always was followed up by better health and longer life. Imagine in this world that every time you lost a job, it guaranteed that you would find a better job and make a higher salary. I want you to imagine in this world that every time you had financial trouble, it was a guarantee that you were about to receive more money. That would be a pretty amazing world, wouldn't it? And I wonder if you knew you lived in that world, I wonder how you would feel when you faced one of those troubles. Would you come home and say, hey, everybody, I lost my job. No. You'd come home and be like, guess what? I got fired. Because you know that means a better job and more money. Would you come home and be like, guys, listen, the doctors told me I got cancer. No. You'd be like, guess what, everybody? Cancer. Come on. Because you know that means better health and longer life. When you checked your bank statement and there was no money in there, you'd be like, oh, man. No. You'd be like, I'm broke. Come on. Because you would know. That means more money's coming. Now, Jesus doesn't promise us that that's what's going to happen in this life. But he does promise us that that is what is going to happen in the next life. In the next life. And so if we knew we lived in that world, we would persevere with confidence. We wouldn't dread setbacks, trials, and problems. We would look forward to problems, and we would have confidence and perseverance knowing that this is just temporary because something amazing's coming on the backside. Jesus said, that is true, not in this world, but whatever it is that you face and whatever it is that you feel and whatever it is that you're going through, something greater is coming on the backside. Lost a job? I've overcome the world. You're going to be living in a place where you'll never lose a job. You won't even need a job. You got cancer? I'm going to take you to a place where you'll never be sick again. You have no money? I'm taking you to a place where, like, I'm making streets out of gold because it's just laying around. That's why you can have peace for trouble, because I've overcome trouble. That's why you can have peace in a crazy world, because I've overcome the world. I'm not telling you today that you need to be high-fiving people because you got cancer or because you lost your job, but what I am telling you is that you can look forward to what's coming next. And that if your belief and your hope is in Jesus Christ, you can have peace because he has overcome the world. So you'd have to imagine that the disciples are going, Jesus, you keep talking about leaving. Why would you leave? This is great. And Jesus says, no, it's going to get greater because I'm going to leave. But I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you access to God, and I'm going to give you peace. 
all the trouble that you would face in this world. So I wonder today, which of those promises, which of those gifts do you need to lean into? Do you need to lean into the Holy Spirit today? Because for whatever reason, you had pushed away from it. Maybe you were just unfamiliar, uneducated. You say, but now I'm realizing today that if the Holy Spirit is my helper, I need all the help I can get. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to be more active in my life. Do, do you need to embrace access to God because of beliefs you've had or, 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 or things that have happened to you? You never knew you could go straight to God, and, and today you hear this and you go, wow, if I can go straight to God, then I'm going to start going straight to God. i got to talk to God. I've got to be with God. Maybe today what you need is to throw your arms around and bear hug the promise that he has overcome the world and that you can have peace because you're facing real trials and real sorrows right now. Yeah, I'm sure it would be pretty amazing if Jesus could be here with 11 of us and our friends and hanging out with us. But he did something better than that. He left so that we could have the Holy Spirit, access to God, and peace for trouble. And those are gifts he gives you and me today. Let's pray.